Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. excited to have you on TPQ20 today. Uh, and we always like to start off by saying, you know, we know who you are, but our audience might be new to you. So if you were to kind of give that bio that your publicist doesn't have, that wouldn't sit on the back of your books, uh, who are you? Uh, yeah, I am. Thanks for having me. I am Jessica Stark. I am originally from California. Um, I'm a poet. I'm an editor. Uh, I'm an educator. And I was born in the year of the tiger, uh, which describes me, I think, quite well. I'm the youngest of three very powerful sisters. <laughs> uh, and I think for most of my adult life, I guess up until pretty recently, I've been somewhat of a wanderer geographically. I've lived in a number of different cities. Um, including in Spain, in Mexico, in South Korea for a few years. I backpacked throughout Southeast Asia for several months. Um, so I think wandering describes me well. I like that. So you gave me a few different ways to go here. Um, but let's start off with, you said, poet, editor, educator. Uh, which comes first as far as your passions? What, uh, what is the, the, you know, what would you put as number one and how does that feed the others? Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's um, swip swapped uh, a few times over several years. I My passion first started in becoming an educator, but I think that it didn't take me, it took me a very long time to realize that that was stemming from my love of language and my development as a poet. But at the time, I'm, that didn't come until much later. And so I pursued being an educator. I wanted to be a professor because that is the time where language and the love of language sort of unlocked for me. So I was obsessed with that, though I didn't realize I wanted to be a practitioner until much later. So I'd say now it's probably poet, educator, editor, no offense, Agni. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But, um, you know, but it's all, they're all kind of connected yeah. together. Um, you know, a lot of it is 
overlapping forms of community building, obviously reading, um, you know, obviously having conversations around poetry. Yeah. Do you find that your, cause I mean, I, I, I'd never consider myself a poet. I love writing reviews because I love coming at things with a, a little bit of a fun, critical, creative lens. And I don't sit down to write poetry, but do you, but I have taught for 20 years and I know that my students do creep into my work, even sometimes the reviews that I write. Do you find that your work with students and in education has come into your poetry? Absolutely. Although I, I don't think I've written about that explicitly. I've compartmentalized it, I guess. But no doubt, they have always influenced how I approach poetry because as, as an educator, I'm constantly tasked with inciting curiosity, um, which is what I like to do when I come into the classroom. I don't, I always tell them, I don't teach mastery, I teach curiosity. Um, and in doing that, the biggest task is to, you know, again and again, arrive at poetry and why I'm so obsessed with it and why I'm so passionate about it and why other people should be too. Um, so for me, you know, entering a classroom, which I'm about to do next week, a new classroom, it's like I'm constantly revisiting those same questions. And I feel like it's not always the stock response that I'm giving and that I'm framing the class. And I think that mobility is really important and organic for me to continually check in into why, why I, why I do poetry, why I write poetry. Um, it's so incredibly important. And um, so, yeah, that's just, it's a really important frame for me to keep re-encountering each time I, I begin a new semester. I like that. I, I started the poetry question ages ago because a student in my class, one of my, uh, one of my juniors, uh, asked me to prove the relevance of poetry in the 21st century. Oh gosh! Um, and so we we did. We opened up a Twitter account and we wrote to every <laughs> we wrote to every possible poet and person and anybody that we could find and asked the question. And I and I do think that there is a a really nice. I love having having the students in front of me because one, it lets me see what else is what they're writing and what their thoughts are. Right. And two, I love the idea that. Uh, it kind of keeps, it's my accountability check. If I'm giving my students a writing assignment, why am I sitting at my desk doing nothing? So I think if nothing, it's, if it, if nothing else, it's an inspiration to just sit there and write with the others in the room. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you, uh, you talked about how your kind of your love of poetry unlocked while you were in college. What brought you there and what, what were you reading before that? Uh, and and kind of how did we get to the kind of this this open door of poetry? Um, I don't think I was you know in high school and before high school. I don't. I mean, I don't really think I was reading that vigorously or that seriously. We did very minimal reading of poetry. I went to a big old public high school um, outside of Los Angeles, and my teachers were great. But and I was always like pretty good in those subjects, but it felt very, you know, required. Um, so I didn't really take uh, a class that had, you know, dedicated time to poetry until my first year. And I, um, my first two years, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I took a class with Enda Duffy. I later took a class with Shirley Gyoklin Lim. 
and these amazing classes that were focused solely on poetry that had hundreds of people in it. And I think that experience of, I still remember one of the most formative experiences was this professor and Adafi, who I'm not even sure is teaching anymore, but um, he had everybody in this, you know, 300 member lecture hall filled up, um, recite the same poem. And it was just incredible to be in a room with that many people reciting the same poem. And I think, honestly, that's a lot of the genesis of um, what poetry feels like in the body and with hundreds of other bodies in the same room. And I think, of course, that's, again, what unlocked my desire to wield that energy and to, you know, share that energy with a lot of different students. Oh, that's beautiful. And I like the idea that you said wield that energy because, because I was going to ask, you know, it's hearing poetry and knowing that you want to write poetry are very different things. And so I like that you, you understood that there was a power and that you had a power to say something that mattered. Like how would you wield that, that energy? Um, yeah. And I, I really didn't, I don't think I, I don't think I even touched poetry until like eight years later. <laughs> like I was like, I could never, you know? And then I was like, okay, I'll be a scholar. Cause I can do that and I can think and I can write a great essay. Um, but it wasn't until much later where I was like, okay, like I can maybe actually try this too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Cause it is, I mean, that's, it, you know, there's a catalyst piece somewhere and sometimes it just takes us a long time to figure it out. Uh, was there eight years later, was there like some type of big catalyst that, that made you sit down? Or I guess, I guess the question was, were you dabbling already in writing poetry and then eight years into it, you were like, okay, I can submit somewhere. Or was it at eight years, you just picked up the pen and were like, okay, finally, you know what? I think I can try this. I, I mean, and I'd always been kind of dabbling, um, but yeah, not very seriously. And then I've spent, you know, a lifetime, an arduous lifetime in graduate school. I um, did a master's program in Spain, and then I did a PhD program, um, which has a master's involved in it. Um, so just over 10 years in grad school. And I you know, encountered a lot of different people and a lot of different creatives. Um, and I began kind of like unofficially like reading friends work and they'd read my work. I think that kind of ad hoc community building, um, because I've never, I, I didn't take an MFA. I just thought that was absurd and I couldn't afford it. Um, and, um, it just didn't feel realistic for my financial, um, duress, <laughs> my protracted financial duress. Um, so I think that those ad hoc forms of community building really allowed me to see the work of people that actually did go through um, these sort of more institutional, um, for lack of a better word, developmental programs, and um, allowed me to sort of imagine that I could <laughs> I could begin submitting, and it, it is feasible. And I think also it was, um, creative writing was a respite from my scholarly writing. It was like, you know, really high pressure to publish scholarly work, um, because of the decimated job market in the scholarly field of English. Um, so creative work was a constant respite for me um, throughout my, my long time in graduate <laughs> school. Um, and then I sort of started to realize like that 
that is where my passion is. That is where my love is. Um, I love to write scholarly stuff as well. It's, it's tethered to how I'm, you know, how I write. Um, and there are skills that I've culled from that experience that are completely invaluable um, to who I am and how I think. But, um, but my, my creative writing has always sort of come out. It didn't have, it didn't require a lot of labor. Um, whereas my scholarly work <laughs> requires a lot of labor, yeah. um, and a lot of forcing my hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, as I, I, uh, I can't remember who, who I was talking to the other day, but we were talking about the idea of, of, you know, dripping poetry into critical work, um, right. to at least keep, you know, to keep to keep the fun there, to keep the beauty in the writing. I mean, also to, uh, to keep the readers paying attention that occasionally they, they do cross over a little bit. Absolutely. As I forget exactly where I was heading with this one. Uh, <laughs> the, oh, there we go. So with, with Buffalo Girl, where do we start? How old is the oldest poem in there to where we are now? And uh, is the voice the same? Uh, the oldest poem is probably about four years old or so. I started writing it, I guess Savage Pageant had just been published and I started writing it. And I had been thinking about it for like about one or two years um, before I wrote anything. However, I feel like it came out very quickly. It came out much more quickly than my first book. And Oh, we're so much more careful with the first one. It takes so much time to organize and edit and then re-edit. And then I'm sorry, editor, I've got to take it back one more time. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I will say it took me, and to that point, it took me a really long time to be comfortable. Um, like Savage Pageant has poems about myself. Um, and it's very personal in some ways. Um, but Buffalo Girl is a lot more personal. Um, and it took me a very long time um, to, and I was talking to, to my friend about this, another poet, um, about, uh, my, my, my mother is Vietnamese, um, and she's a very beautiful, strong Vietnamese woman, and I have three older sisters, and it was kind of a common refrain of me growing up, hearing the refrain of, like, it's not about you, <laughs> or, like, respect your older sisters, which is a very like Vietnamese slash Asian American um, experience of like, you're constantly asked to decenter yourself from everything and like, you know, consider other people, consider the family, um, consider your place in the family, which for me as the youngest was always a sort of subordinate role. So it actually it took me a very long time to kind of write a work or to be comfortable with a work that is centering even my mother or in myself or my family so that just took a long time to get there but when i did get there it came out very quickly the floodgates of all of the journals of your past lives oh gosh no i've never i, I don't know about you i've never kept a journal i don't know i know a lot of writers have but i just know no thank you oh man my wife and i that all up on my uh, we stumbled on the box of my of my high school composition notebooks, my journals uh, when we when we moved a few years ago, and they are um, it, you know, they're the thing that she wants me. To, she kept telling me I should do one of the mortifieds. I mean, they're they're scary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I maybe did when I was like very young, and then I'm sure just having this whole horde of older sisters 
<laughs> that just know every contour of every part of the house. Right. You know, like it's just talk about decentering. Hide something, <laughs> yeah. hide something deep enough in the walls. Absolutely. They just would have been immediately read and like probably enraged some of them. You know? <laughs> so. Who are you reading these days? As we kind of head toward the finish line here, who are you really excited about? Who's who's kind of poking through, you know, through the crowd for you when you go to look at new poetry these days? Sure. Um, I just did a, an interview for Agni um, with Sheng Yang Fang, who just put out a book with Copper Canyon, um, their debut book. Fantastic. It's really beautiful, like lyrical, rich, gorgeous. So I really recommend that book. Summer Browning, ah, oh, fantastic, fantastic. Summer has a new book, yeah. Summer has a new book called Good Actors with Birds LLC. It's phenomenal. And if you ever get the opportunity or the privilege to see Summer read in person, fantastic. Just like a light. Um, Dorothy Chan is my gal. She has a book out, Babe, and one coming out she like writes in her sleep. She's insane. But this new issue of Agni that's coming out, I'm really, really excited. Um, number 96, we have, I mean, we have stuff, we have new stuff from Diane Seuss. We have like new stuff from Cyrus Cassells. We have new stuff from Natalie Shapiro, Michael Torres. There's a new up and coming poet named Alexa Luborski that I'm really, really excited to shoot as like kind of like hybrid visual stuff. Fantastic. So gotta rep that because oh. um, this issue is like a banger. That's yeah. amazing. Well done. Congratulations on that. Thank That's you. really cool for being a part of that. That's what an amazing opportunity and experience and just ah, what a roster. So where can we find your work? What are, what can we, uh, what can we see from you? What's out there that we can already get and then what's coming up? Sure. So my first book, Savage Pageant, um, is out with Birds LLC and that came out in 2020. Um, so I recommend attaining it from their website, Birds LLC. And then the next book is coming out. It's called Buffalo Girl with Boa Editions, and it's slated for early spring 2023. So it's right around the corner. I have a few chapbooks floating around. There's a really weird one named In a Net that The Offending Adam put out last year. <laughs> nice. Love that. And you are up for 2023 is going to be a very, very big year for poetry. So uh, congrats again for the upcoming release and we look forward to sending everybody your direction uh, thank you so much for hanging out <laughs> with me today on TPQ20 and I will speak with you soon thanks I appreciate it bye 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 Thank you for listening to the Poetry Questions TPQ20. Please like, rate, review, and subscribe. See you next week.